0: You know, I have been watching from 10,000 feet. I don't usually fill in on this particular show, but I will say this when it comes to the policing situation in Surrey, I continue and continue to just scratch my head thinking, when will it be done? We go to Victoria for a man that might have the answer. The Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer, here with his takes on the day. Vaughn, good morning.
1: And good morning, Rob. And no, 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 you're not going to trap me into saying the (laughs) thing in Surrey is over. I've declared that two or three times and it wasn't. So uh, we did, however, get a major development on
0: it in the legislature Mm -hmm. yesterday. Well, let's talk about that. Mike Farnsworth introducing legislation that makes Surrey Policing Service the provider of the policing services as of today. It's really
1: interesting to read the legislation because you're right. It's very straightforward. It's a piece of legislation, goes in the House, still hasn't been passed, but the New Democrats have the votes to do that. And it says, yeah, that the Surrey Policing Services is the police force of record going forward in Surrey. And the government has given itself the power to cancel the contract with the RCMP. It's all there in legislation, all spelled out nicely, uh, slamming the door on any chance of Surrey going back to the RCMP. But There's a problem with this because you may remember that the last time we declared this was over was back in July Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Farnworth announced that Surrey's plan to go back to the RCMP wouldn't work and Surrey had to stick with transition to the Surrey Policing Services. When we asked him about that fairly high-handed declaration that Surrey Council was wrong and the province was right... Um, He said, well, I have the legal authority to do this. You know, I have the authority under the Police Act. I can do this, and I am doing it, and it's over, and it's done, and it's going to happen. So the question is, yesterday we get legislation that's effectively retroactive, that effectively goes back and legalizes what Farmer did in July. Why is this necessary if he had the legal authority all along? And when he got asked that yesterday, Rob, he kind of danced around. It was a a skating performance worthy of the (laughs) World Figure Skating Championships, in my view, Uh, because it turns out, I'm guessing that somebody in the government read over the legislation, looked at Surrey's court challenge and said, you know what? Maybe our powers aren't as clear-cut as we thought they were. We better clarify them. We better retroactively legalize what we did back in July. That's how I read it.
0: I, I guess my next question for you, Vaughn, is Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke still defiant in all of this? Yes. Um, that, to me, is really something that she just—this is her hill.
1: This is her hill. And, you know, there's two things going on there. So, I mean, the first thing is— political egos. She ran on a promise to take Surrey back to the RCMP because the Surrey police service was too expensive. And she's sticking to what she promised to do. Uh, She won the election. Okay, we can say narrowly, but, you know, we've had NDP governments in the province that won narrowly too, and it didn't change the fact that they were the legal government. So she says that. But, you know, I think what she's, what's really going on here, Rob, is Surrey believes that the transition will be far more expensive than the provincial government lets on. So the big numbers we've been given. the Provincial government, Rob, says we're going to give Surrey $150 million over five years to pay for the cost of transition. Surrey says that doesn't even begin to do it. Uh, Surrey's position is half a billion dollars almost $500 million over 10 years. And, you know, the council's view is that Surrey ratepayers are going to be stuck with the overrun, and that's going to mean higher taxes. So a big part of what's going on here is Lock won, saying, you know, I won the election. Why should I back off what I promised to do? And second of all, she wants to make sure that if the province's forces Surrey drags it kicking and screaming and to Surrey policing services that Surrey voters, when they get their property tax bills, go, yeah, well, it ain't Brenda Lott's fault. It's David Eby and Mike Farnworth. Now, we'll see whether that's what happens. But that's the political strategy. However, Rob, this legislation does contain something new in it. Yes. And it's a threat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and the power in the bill, there's a clause in the bill that says the provincial government has the power... To oust the Surrey Police Board, the administrator of the policing services out there, including the members on it, include Brenda Locke, and install an administrator to replace the board temporarily for a time and oversee the transition. So the province is now, I would say, threatening. Surrey, if there's any more intransigence out there, we've had enough. We're just going to step in and do it ourselves. Farnworth got asked about that yesterday, Rob. He said, well, we haven't decided to do that yet. No, <laughs> they haven't decided to do that yet, but the threat is obvious. So uh, this is where I get to this thing isn't over yet. Will Surrey finally go along with it or will Randalotka and uh, Surrey say, okay, It's your police force, your job. You go ahead and make the transition and send us the bill, but let's make sure if the bills come in, we're gonna make sure people know it's your decision, not ours.
0: So it's not over. Fair enough. Okay, <laughs> <That's well>. fine.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> been a great gift, uh, Rob, to oh, those of us in the comments. I don't business. doubt I, it. I can't recall how many mornings Simi and I have talked about this, and uh, you know everybody else. It's uh, you just keep going back to it. it in that sense, it must be awful to be a Surrey taxpayer. Oh yeah, but I'm not one. And I'm just looking at it as, well, it's a great source of column material. I hate to sound like a vulture feeding off carrion, but there you go.
0: Well, I saw it on the list of things to talk about. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to ask the question. I'm going to sit back in my lawn chair and enjoy. Vaughn, thank you for sticking around. Let's talk about this. The premier, David Eby, getting uh, tough, if you will. I guess tough might be the right word on multiple short-term rentals.
1: Yeah, I thought a very direct message from the Premier yesterday. The government's brought in legislation to seriously crack down on short-term rentals, vacation rentals, uh, listing multiple properties on Airbnb and the like. And what does it all mean? He says the message really to anyone with multiple units on the market. So not if you're renting out. Your principal residence, your home, not if you're renting out a basement suite, one of them, right? Or are a backyard um, building of some sort. You, you can have, rent out your home. You can rent out one more unit. But if you've got multiple units and you're not even living in any of them or you've turned a whole house into an Airbnb hotspot or a, a floor in a condo building, the Premier's message, Rob, is find a new business model. Hmm. What does he say to them? He says... If you've got multiple units in the short-term market, either convert them to long-term or sell. The government wants those units in the market for long-term rentals in the province. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, really. The provincial government is targeting what they regard as a serious explosion in the number of owners investors who have multiple units in Airbnb and the like, and in the major cities, the province is giving local governments the power to bring that to an end.
0: Von, I haven't heard much pushback when it comes to this. Like we've heard all of the, you know, the reasoning on one side, but, you know, I talked to somebody that had an Airbnb in their portfolio, and he says, I can make in a week what I would charge somebody for a month. And I've yet to hear the blowback on this.
1: Well, there's a couple of things that they did to anticipate the pushback. So the first thing is the person who says, this is how I'm paying my mortgage. You know, my spouse and I are both working. We've got a giant mortgage and we need the revenue and we need the lucrative revenue from the basement suite or the laneway house or even, you know, uh, sometimes renting out our principal residence this is how we're paying our mortgage well the government has dealt with that rob by saying you provincial uh, principal residences are off you can do that and if you've got a basement suite and you converted and put it in and want to make money off of it and need to one unit you're allowed so that's the first thing the second pushback they were anticipating was from communities in British Columbia where there are no hotels, there are no alternatives. Airbnb is the way tourists come and stay there. And what they've done is they've exempted the 14 resort municipalities. So that's like Whistler, Sun Peaks and they've exempted communities with populations of less than 10,000. So they tried to deal with the objections they were anticipating by creating the exemptions. However, I think there's still a big one out there, and that is um, the major communities where people, for one reason or another, tourists are choosing Airbnb, and the reason they're choosing it is because Airbnb is cheaper than the hotels because there's a shortage of hotels, and this one the government won't acknowledge, but, Rob, in, in some cities... People are choosing Airbnb because they don't regard the downtowns of the cities they're going to as safe yep. and appealing
0: places. You beat and me to it.
1: Thou- those are not being dealt with here. You know, uh, it's very interesting yesterday what happened. You asked the government for the data to back this up. They kind of admitted, well, I don't have an awful lot. But there's a study out of McGill. And the study out of McGill, they, they told us, uh, Ravi, Callan, the, uh, the housing minister, said, you know, this wasn't a study paid for by Airbnb. No, it wasn't. But it was paid for by the Hotel Association. You know, the Hotel Association doesn't like Airbnb because they're competition. You've got these little boutique hotels that are not admitted to be hotels or Airbnb, but they're the competition. So, you know, the, the hotels are, I guess, happy with this. You're hearing that. But I think there's a big unintended consequences aspect of this, Rob, and we won't know for a while. This thing is being phased in over 18 months. We won't know for a while the actual impact on the tourist industry. The industry has its fingers crossed that it won't have a negative impact. I'm not so sure.
0: We'll actually be talking with that gentleman from McGill, Dr. David Watsmouth, at uh, 735 today. So we'll flesh this out for the listeners a little bit more. Vaughn, before I let you go, and I do appreciate your time this morning, um, tough talk from the province. We've talked about the hotel sector. Does Airbnb, the company, have a leg to stand on when it comes to, uh, you know, fighting back in any way, shape or form?
1: Well, their statement yesterday was, this is not going to solve the problem of housing affordability. And, you know, they're probably right about that. There's so many problems uh, involved in that. And uh, they don't think it'll actually do anything other than just discourage people from coming to your city, Uh, that it'll discourage travelers. There'll be fewer properties listed. Uh, The powers to fine and punish and regulate, we'll see how well those work. But I think They'll work better than what we have now. And the one thing I'll say about the McGill researcher is he's a nationally respected researcher. I just think that, uh, and, and I'm sure he's got a lot more insight on this than, uh, than a lot of the politicians out here. The one thing I would say is that I wish the government had told us uh, that uh, the Hotel Association was involved in, in commissioning the research. That doesn't make the research invalid. Uh, hmm. It just is something the government, I think, should have told us and they didn't.
0: That is a neat little caveat. Thank you, Vaughn. I, I do appreciate every time I fill in getting to cross paths with you, and thank you for the insight, and we'll okay. do this again. Okay, thanks, Rob. <laughs> All right, my pleasure.